Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. So, uh, I'm going to start out with a sensational opening line. You ready for it? Money is awesome, isn't it? Do you guys agree that money is awesome? It's awesome, right? Yeah, it's kind of awesome, <laughs> right? I think money is awesome. I think that next to God, money may be the most powerful force on earth, really. Um, and I don't know how anybody can be unopinionated or sort of like blasé about money because it is just so powerful. Um, and I want to give you some examples. Money can literally build nearly anything that can be built, right? Money can build churches and it can build hospitals and it can build stores and restaurants and railroads and cars and airplanes and houses and swimming pools and iPhones and laptops and artificial hearts and helicopters on the moon. Money can do that, right? It can get us out of debt and it can make us free and the lack of it can get us into debt and it can enslave us. Money uh, can educate people and it can be used to secure an education for generations It can feed people, and the lack of it can starve people. Money can keep people apart when we build walls and when we build fences. It can bring people together when we build houses and churches and playgrounds. Um, Money can protect the earth, and money can damage the earth. It can defend a country of living for the people living in that country. It can get people into trouble with the law, and it can get people out of trouble with the law. Money can cure diseases. Just ask any of the many foundations that are crying out for your donation to help with ALS or mental illness or diabetes or cancer. Um, Money can make us comfortable and it can make us peaceful or it can be a source of fear and a source of misery, can't it? And much more personally, uh, I've noticed that money can reveal our hearts to us and it can reveal what we trust in more than we actually realize ourselves. We, money tells us things that we don't actually know about ourselves. It can be the fuel uh, for God's kingdom coming to earth, or it can be the fuel for generational addiction to itself. It can be the tool for, uh, I believe, some of the most heartfelt and genuine and powerful worship that we can possibly offer God, or it can become a dividing wall between us and God, where we don't want him to meddle in our affairs. And I I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that money has you. It has your heart, every one of us. And if you want to push back on that, if you want to disagree with me, um, Jesus would agree. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he said this, where your heart is, there your treasure will also be. Or where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where your money is, your heart will go with it. And so if you have ever sent your money somewhere, your heart will go with it. I know that because I'm sending my kids to college and I'm sending my heart along with them and my money, right? And so for those of you that haven't been here in a while, or for those of you that are new, we, uh, like Molly had alluded to, we've been kicking around uh, in the book of Acts and we've been studying uh, this church that was birthed in the book of Acts. And it's our intention, you guys, to learn from the Acts Church and to learn what is possible and what God intends for us here at Thrive. 
And it's our endeavor, it's our intention to let the Acts Church become a blueprint for us. We want to grow as a church. We want to become a church that is after God's own heart and is everything that God dreams of. And so last week, Molly, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Molly uh, encouraged us to fill in the gaps. I don't know if you remember this, but Molly said that we all have gaps in our lives, places in our lives where um, we have not yet seen uh, God show up, places in our lives where we are still crying out for a breakthrough or for help or hope or healing or any number of things. And she said that, that uh, very often how we fill in the gap is through worry or through concern or overthinking or overfunctioning. And, and she challenged us to fill that gap in with prayer because our prayer is, is just so powerful. Our intercession is so powerful. And so we're leaning into more of that. But two weeks ago, uh, I shared this concept with us. We saw that in the, uh, the early churches, the church was being uh, birthed and people were coming together. There was this unbelievably beautiful thing that was happening, and it was called koinonia. Does anybody remember that term, koinonia? And it's this concept of communion together, fellowshipping together, breaking bread together, sharing all of life with one another. And so today, we're going to actually look at a key aspect of that sharing of life. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, the Church of Acts, and we're going to see what the Church of Acts and what God has to teach us about our money or about his money, if you think of it that way, right? And so um, just to orient you, money is discussed all over the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. It was one of Jesus's favorite topics, and it is certainly discussed uh, in the book of Acts, and particularly at the, the, the beginning as Luke is describing the early church. And one of the most amazing characteristics, I think, of the early church is that for the first time in history that I am aware of, a group of people seemed to relate to money and to their possessions in a way that we were all sort of created to. Like they had this remarkable freedom and this joy in all things, but the most remarkable vibe, I think, in the early church was the, was the fact that they were so free in their money, with their money and with their possessions. And instead of it being like a really private thing and sort of a secretive thing, like it is for, for many of us, it was sort of a, a communal thing. It was a shared thing. It was, an, it was a way of expressing love. It was a way of experiencing blessing and being a blessing. And so we're going to look uh, again at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to jump over to Acts chapter 4. And um, as I read Acts chapter 2, uh, I imagine that many of you guys, by the time we're done with the series, you'll have Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 memorized, and that would be a great thing. Uh, so let's just dive in here. Acts chapter 2 starting at verse 42. And Luke writes this about the early church. He said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to koinonia. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There it is. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That's not the favor of the people in the church. It's the favor of the people outside the church. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then we jump over to Acts chapter uh, 4, starting at verse 40, uh, 32. And Luke continues his description of these early gatherings. And he says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. 
No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work uh, in them all. Like, now think about this. He says, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. So what's, how's he going to finish this? Like, how do we know that God is powerfully at work? That there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Do you think, do you you just feel how amazing the picture of this early church is, how powerful and incredible and different this is? I mean, this is amazing stuff. And I I actually just want to, I want to pray over us very briefly just so that uh, I I just want, I'm, I'm desirous of God to just touch our hearts here and for us to go beyond just learning something. And so, Lord, um, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would not just teach us something, Lord, but that you would move in our hearts, Lord, that you would even change us if we need to be changed. I pray that you would encourage us if we need to be given courage, Lord. But, Lord, just let these words not um, just skip over the water of our lives. Amen. Okay, so, so what can we learn about money Uh, from the book of Acts and how they treated money. Well, uh, I have to give you guys a caveat first, okay? I want to, before I dive in here, I just want to make a confession. Like, when I read this, do you, like, do you also think of communism? (laughs) Like, I I just can't help but see communism all over this thing, right? Uh, If McCarthy were here, things would be really, really bad. Um, I think of communism because, you know, everybody's stuff belonged to everybody else. They're selling stuff and putting it in the pot and everybody got to, it was distributed everywhere. And so for me, this sounds like communism, but I want to tell you that it is the farthest thing from it because all of these acts were acts that were born out of love. Every one of these gifts were given out of a personal desire to express love, to express care, to worship God. And all of it was done without fear, without compulsion, and probably without even asking. And so this is not communism. This is just extravagant love given. And so what we see in the early church is this really, really important principle uh, regarding our finances and really an important principle regarding all of life. And it's the principle of generosity. One of the most important principles regarding our money is the principle of generosity. We see it cherished and valued all over scripture. And it's interesting that um, actually Paul lays out probably the best and the most concise teaching uh, in in the New Testament that I can tell regarding this principle. And so I'm going to share with you something that Paul had written to the church in Corinth. A few years later, the church in Corinth was was starting to come alive. And um, and he taught about this. He actually taught about two uh, really important biblical principles regarding money. And I'm only going to talk about the principle of generosity, but you'll also hear him talking about sowing and reaping, but we won't have time to, to dig into that. But here's what Paul said about this. And this is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6. And Paul said this. He said, remember this. Don't forget it, guys. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. In other words, this is an agriculture thing. He's talking about seed, but he's comparing seed to money, seed money, right? So he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each one should give according, uh, should give what he has decided to, to, uh, in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion. 
For God loves a cheerful giver. It turns out that that's actually a biblical verse, right? It's not just on coffee cups. Um, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let me read it one more time because I kind of butchered it a bit. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make, and the the key word is all, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And so what Paul is saying is that if you care about your life at all, if you want to thrive in life, if you want to be blessed in this life at all, then he would challenge us. He would say, I want you to make generosity a key principle for your life, for all of your life. Are you guys getting this? Are you with me? You smelling what I'm stepping in here? Okay. Now, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I read these early verses of the, uh, of the, the early church, I see generosity all over us. There was this spirit in these gatherings where people just wanted to express their joy and their, they, they wanted to express their love. They wanted to express blessing. They were like, how can I be a part of this? How can I be a part of everything that God is doing in this place? And one of the, one of the easy ways to do that was for them to give of their resources. Like, how can I be a part of the blessing that is being stirred up here? I know what I can do. I can pour into this place financially. And that was a blessing. It was a wonderful and it was a powerful way to be a part of that move of God. And it's a wonderful and powerful way to be a part of any move of God because money is so powerful, like we said, and it's so attached to our hearts. When we express love through our generosity, we are really offering our hearts. That's what we're doing. We're giving what we value. And what Paul is saying to us is that generosity is all about the heart, and it's actually not necessarily about the sum. It's all about our heart, and it may or may not be about the sum. God loves it, not necessarily when we give large sums of money per se, but he loves it when we give lavishly. He loves it when we give more than is necessary. He loves it when we give more than could be expected. That is God's love language regarding money. And Jesus, being God, he loved it the same way. And so there was a moment that actually Luke records again. He wrote wrote the book of Acts, but he also wrote the book of Luke. And uh, Luke records this moment where Jesus was in the temple with his, his disciples, and he was watching people uh, give the offering, right? People would file up, and they would put their, their money into the offering. And it says this, Luke chapter uh, 21, starting in verse 1, it says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. And then a poor widow came and dropped in only two small coins, and he looked at his disciples, he said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, she has given everything that she has. He said, her gift, according to, to my father's values, was more generous than any other contribution that came in that day. Why? Because it was an extravagant gift. It was hugely generous. And God wants a people who are as generous in their giving as he is in his giving, who are as free to love through blessing and through finances as he is because he is 
the, the most generous giver ever. He is the one that gives what we never deserve. He gives above and beyond, always. And so the question is, are you a generous giver? Are you a generous giver into the kingdom of God? And I want to tell you that I am not a generous giver. I'm not. I am not a generous giver, but I am endeavoring to become a generous giver. I am endeavoring to become a a generous giver. Let me tell you a little bit about my financial picture and how I see this stuff. First of all, I want you guys to know that um, the first thing about me with, with my finances is I love and I rely on tithing as my financial foundation. It is my, my baseline. Tithing is my act of obedience and it is my act of honor to God. And quite honestly, it's my security blanket. For me, tithing is, I would never want to, like I would get, I would get nervous if I ever was compelled to stop giving God the first 10% of the, the gross of everything that comes into my house. And the reason is, is because I believe personally that if I trust God in this, if I obey God in this, that I kind of stand under his covering. I believe that God is free to provide for me, free to take care of me, that he'll protect me if I put him first with my tithe. And so that's just, that's just my foundation. But am I generous? I don't think so. I'm not there yet, but I am working to become a generous person. And so I actually have been doing two things for a while now. Before you like run out the door, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, I've been doing two things for quite a long time now. The first thing that I do is I regularly look for opportunities to step into generosity. I look for opportunities to give, to express generosity. And every time I do it, every time I, I you know, find an opportunity to give, I actually have to, um, I make a statement to myself. And the statement that I make to myself goes something like this. God, you, everything that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. Everything that I have comes from you and it belongs to you. And so you're going to have to take care of me if this $100 is the difference between me being safe and secure and total bankruptcy and total disaster. I have to make that statement to myself regularly because that's how I feel sometimes. Now, it's not what I think, right? My thinking is more rational. My thinking is more biblical, but my feelings tell me crazy things. Like if you give to this person, if you give to this missionary's work, if you give to someone at Rand Grover, someone here at church, you may not be able to keep your house and you may not be able to eat next year. My feelings tell me that. And I, I don't know if any of you guys can relate to any of this stuff, but it's, it's actually called a poverty mindset. That's a poverty mindset. And it tells you that there is too little resource out there, that the resource is finite, it's small, and it is hard to get. And once you get it, you have to keep it because you probably will not be okay without scratching and clawing for it. And so that mindset, that poverty mindset, it is unhealthy and it is unbiblical and it comes straight from the devil. And the reason it does is because our heavenly father is good and he is a provider, and he is generous, and he is faithful, and he will never, ever leave us or forsake us. And so this poverty mindset for me is something that I am walking out of. I am consciously and purposely leaving that behind. And so I look for opportunities to become a generous and cheerful giver. That's the first thing I've been doing. I send my money into the kingdom, and I use it as a declarative act that my life is in God's good hands. 
That's the first thing that I do. Secondly, what I do is I happen to live with a person who is much healthier in this than I am. And so, uh, so one of the things that I've committed to do is I've decided to say yes when Molly comes to me with a need. When Molly says, hey, could we please give to this person or this missionary or this thing, whatever it is, when she brings that to me, I say yes instead of fighting her like I used to do, right? And so if she says, can I give 50 bucks to this you know, person in the church? I say yes, and then I take partial credit for the gift. Why not, right? Like I blessed it. I should have some credit for that, right? Uh, and what I'm excited to report to you guys is that occasionally now, Molly will say, I would like to give $100 to this thing. And I say, well, I'd like to give 200 to it. And when I do that, I note that as a part of my own growth. I note that as part of my growing and I, growing, and I do these things because I know that God loves my generosity. And I know that this is who he is and what he's like. He loves it when we give in more than necessary ways, which is really the definition of who he is. He is surprising and he is extravagant and he is lavish. And so as his disciple, I want to be just like him. And so one of the things that we say around here is that for us, uh, giving is worship to us. It's an important way of expressing our love and our honor to God. And so this money thing, you guys, as sort of like I'm trying to shirk off the discomfort of talking about it. Uh, I used to like 10 years went by before I preached on money. It's like I was being so disobedient. But, uh, but money is so powerful. And one of the reasons why it is incredibly powerful is because every dollar that we use According to God's will, that dollar gets dual citizenship, okay? Every dollar that we use according to God's kingdom, that American currency that you use to sow into somebody else's life, that dollar becomes a kingdom of God dollar, and it becomes a supernatural force for God to pour out his rule and his reign and his will into our lives, into life as we experience it here on earth just as it is in heaven. And so we talked about how important Money is at the beginning of the talk, but that becomes exponentially more true when we send our money into the places, the places where God directs us to send them. And so that dollar or that a hundred bucks or that a thousand dollars, God breathes on it and it becomes a supernatural force. It becomes like a sword in God's hands. And so our giving actually and our generosity, it does some really, really important things. So let me tell you about a couple of things that it that does. So when we give our money, the first thing that happens is that it actually connects us really, really wonderfully to people around us. It connects us to each other, and it actually can connect us to people that we've never met. It can, it can connect us to people in places where we have actually never been. Like, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but every, uh, I think it's every quarter, but certainly every year, we send, we send literally thousands and thousands of dollars down to Puerto Rico to uh, build and strengthen the churches, the vineyard churches that are down in Puerto Rico. You guys have sent thousands and thousands of dollars down there. And what is really cool about it is this. Just imagine for a moment, just dream for a second that this January, you're like, I got to get out of Chicago. It is just no good here. Let's go to Puerto Rico for vacation. And so you go down to Puerto Rico and you're having a wonderful time and you happen to be there over a Sunday and you're like, I want to go to church. I wonder if there's a, a vineyard church around here. And there are vineyard churches in San Juan and in Mayaguez and uh, Aguadilla. 
And so you go and you pop your head into one of these churches. And if you were to stick your head in and say to them, hi, I'm from Thrive, you would be family to them. They've never met you, but you would be family to them. Why? Because we have a relationship. We have a connection with them we, because we have poured our hearts through our finances into those churches, and we are family to them. Uh, you guys may not know this. You probably don't know it, but you also send literally thousands of dollars to very, very low-income Spanish-speaking vineyard churches in the Chicagoland area. And if you were to show up at any one of those churches and say, hi, I'm from Thrive, they would hug you and they would thank you and they would bless you and they would say, we are family together. Thank you for sowing into our lives. Thank you for sowing into the ministry that we are doing here because our money speaks love and our money connects us. And I discovered something as I was working on this that I found interesting. And that is that uh, when the early church was being birthed, it began in Jerusalem, right? Uh, but in, you know, in those days, there were like really, really tightly bound people groups. And so the Jews did not hang out with, they didn't have koinonia, they didn't fellowship with people of other, uh, you know, people from other countries, uh, you know, people from Samaria or the Greeks or whatever. They did not do fellowship. They didn't trust them. They didn't talk to them. It was totally taboo. And so the church was birthed in Jerusalem, but it began to proliferate and it began to spread to the Gentile churches, to the non-Jewish churches, right? But the Jews were suspicious of these people. They'd never talked to them before. They'd never fellowshiped with them. And they didn't know quite what to make of Christianity going to the Gentile churches. And so there was some suspicion and there was like a little bit of like, they weren't, you know, they weren't together. But suddenly money began to pour into the church in Jerusalem from all of these Gentile churches. And the reason was is because they were tithing. They were sending their money to care for the Jewish poor in Jerusalem. And suddenly koinonia happened. Fellowship happened. They became one. They were tied together. And so our generosity, when we give to one another, when we give to people outside the walls of this church, it connects us in a really, really powerful way. The second thing that happens is that our generosity, generosity, our generosity, it ushers in, that's why I said that, it ushers in God's kingdom. Our generosity brings God's kingdom. So let's say, for example, that you have uh, a relationship with somebody here at Thrive, or maybe you're, you know, you've got a friendship with a neighbor or something like that, and you know that they're just, they're just struggling. They're just having a tough time. And you don't know what's going on or what the deal is. You certainly don't know like the depths of their heart, but you just want to try to bless them. And so you get them a $20 gift card from Starbucks, right? And you say, hey, I was just thinking about you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I love you. Go get a couple of coffees, right? Well, what happens is, is that, that act of obedience to God, that act of responding to the prompting of God, that, us, that isn't just like three lattes, what that ends up being is God will breathe on that thing and he will use that $20 gift to communicate love. He'll use that $20 to communicate care and, 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 and covering and mercy and grace in a way that you never could. And instead of them having a latte and going, that was nice, instead, they begin to feel loved. They begin to feel refreshed. They be begin to feel cared for and not so alone because God brings his kingdom when you send your money to the things that he asks you to send it to. And so every, uh, at the beginning of every school year in a few months, we're going to come to you guys and we're going to say the kids at Rangrove need backpacks. 
And you guys will faithfully, as you have always done, you will pour out your resources to get backpacks and school supplies for those kids. And you might be thinking, what I just did is I helped kids to have pencils and pens and notebooks and everything that they need for a school year. But God breathes on that. And what he could do with it is he could say, I'm going to put a root in the ground and that child is going to be educated and I am going to end a cycle of poverty in that family because this kid that you've poured into is going to receive an education. I'm going to help them to stick with it. I'm going to add to what you have just done. I'm going to add to what you've given. We provide food for people uh, in our community. And you could say, I just gave $100 so that a family could, could eat for a week. And God says, but I'm going to use that to open up a door to their heart. And I'm going to use that $100 to bring salvation for generations into that family. That's what happens when we send our money into the places that God calls us to do that, right? Our money gets dual citizenship. It becomes an incredibly powerful weapon in God's hand to bring his kingdom to earth, right? And so I want to, I want to challenge you guys. I want to encourage you to listen for those prompts. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. You'll get it in your, in your head. You'll get it in your heart that you want to like finance something, that you want to bless someone, you want to just do something nice somewhere. And I want to challenge you and invite you and encourage you to listen to those prompts, to say, I'm going to do this with you, God, because that $20 will have a $2,000 effect. That $20 will have a $2,000 effect. And there's one last thing that I think uh, giving our money does, and it's this. It, It does something in us. It does something in us. And what it does is it testifies to us that our faith is real. It testifies when we send this precious thing that is our money, it testifies to us that our faith is alive. It plants the stake in the ground that says, I, I really am after God's heart. I really am going after this thing. This faith in Jesus, this walk that I have, it is legit. It is real. And that's a really cool thing, right? It connects us with people. It brings God's kingdom, and it makes a statement to us that we are real, that we are real followers of Jesus, that we're real disciples of Jesus, that our faith has substance. And do you guys feel that how cool, like, money is for, like, do you get it? Like, this is awesome stuff. This is, there's so much opportunity here. And so um, we have been leaning into being this church that God created us to be. We want to be everything, lacking nothing, We want to be everything that God is creating us to be. And so one of the things that I love about you guys, and I want to commend to you, is that you are extravagant givers. You are generous givers. As a matter of fact, I could have brought it up, but on the back table, there's this plaque that says, Courageous Givers, the Vineyard National Movement sent Thrive, a thing that said, you guys are courageous givers based on the money that we sent back into the vineyard so that they could plant churches and do missions and all that stuff. And you guys are courageous givers. I have story after story after story of you guys giving hundreds and thousands of dollars to people in need to feed families, to do school supplies, to provide, you know, Thanksgiving turkeys. Some of you have given cars away. Um, I meet with a couple of young guys uh, on a really, really regular basis, and these guys are amazing. They are just going after God. They are red hot, on fire for God, and... um, about a month ago, I was chatting with them, and one of, my, one of my guys said, man, it's a rough week. It was a really, really rough week. And I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, uh, he, he works in the city. He just got out of college. And he said, all of a sudden, all at once, completely unexpectedly, 
um, all of these bills came crashing in on him. He'd had some physical issues, and so there were some big hospital bills, and he was freaked out. He was really, really scared. He didn't know what he was going to do. And um, he said, but then, as, uh, you know, as I was like so scared, he said, I felt God tell me to go and feed the poor. And I said, oh, that's, that's cool. That's interesting. What would you do? He said, well, I talked to my girlfriend. I said, hey, you want to go do something fun? And she said, sure. And so they went to the store, and they bought a bunch of food, and they made lunches for uh, the homeless people in Chicago. And they went downtown, and they just started giving food away and praying for people. And he said, what was really amazing to me was that uh, three days later, um, I didn't realize that this was going to happen, but I got a tax return, and it was like three times bigger than what I thought it was going to be. He said, I don't know why it was so big, but it was so big, and it covered every, all the bills that I needed to pay. It was all covered within three days. He's like, that was really wild. And I was like, yeah, that's God. It sounds very much like God. And that is what God wants to do. He wants to make excuse me, to make us a generous people who are free to be extravagant because we've put our trust in his provision for us because he can be trusted. He wants us to care for those who are around us and he wants to increase our joy through our own generosity. And so I just want to tell you guys how, uh, how proud I am of you. I want to stir this up in you. And I also want to challenge us at some level too because if you are like me, if you are not yet generous, um, then this morning would be a really, really good time to do some work on that and to confess that and to allow God to minister to us because our joy lacks while we hang on. If we have a poverty mindset, we are still struggling in fear. We are still struggling in bondage. And so I'm walking out of that, and I want to invite you to do that too um, because God is going to start using us, this church, to do guerrilla warfare with blessing. He's going to prompt you to give your money away, to bless people who need to be blessed. And those encounters will become divine appointments. There's going to be amazing stories that come. I know that some of you guys are going to learn God's voice amazingly well. And you're going to start seeing God do crazy things in you and through you because you hear his voice and because you're listening and because you are free and generous and because you obey him. I imagine that some of you guys might, uh, God might invite you to start tithing if you've never been a tither because he wants to build that foundation underneath your feet the way that he's done for me. He wants to, to cover you with his blessing. And one thing that I know that he's going to do is he's going to break fear off. And so, um, Nathan, can you come on up? And let's just, we're going to stand up and we're going to um, pray through this a little bit. We're going to ask God to come and, and, and do in us what, what we, can't, we can't do ourselves. You guys okay? We talked about money and you're still here. It's okay. Good job. Um, I, I believe that, that God has, um, he has something for each of us in this area. And I, I just want you to take a, a quick check, a, a quick pulse check, a quick heart check. And, um, and let those feelings sort of be like a, a, a barometer of what kind of work needs to happen here. If you are feeling, um, if you're feeling agitated, if you're feeling a little bit scared, if you're feeling a little bit anxious, then I know that God wants to um, minister to you.
and he wants to speak to you and he wants to, to set you free of some things. If you're feeling excited and hopeful, he wants to equip you and invite you into more. Um, and so, uh, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you again this morning. And we just welcome you into our hearts. And um, I'm, I'm just going to do kind of a, a little bit of just like spiritual warfare here for a moment. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that these battles that we fight, they're not battles against flesh and blood. They're not battles against just regular circumstances, that there's an unseen spiritual battle happening. And so, um, Lord, I just, uh, I just break off that poverty uh, mindset, that, the, that sort of demonic uh, accusation, those lies that have uh, become attached to many of us. Uh, however it came, Lord, whether it's from childhood or any other place, Lord, we just uh, bind the enemy and we bind that poverty spirit in the name of Jesus. And I just speak freedom over you, church. I speak the freedom of God and the provision of God and the power of God over you right now. You are set free. And Father, I just pray uh, that, that we would, first of all, because you are worthy, that we would honor you. That we would honor you in all of us, but especially here because it is so important to us. Because it is so close to our hearts, Lord that we would honor you in this. And I pray, Father, that um, we would step into being that generous, extravagant, lavish type of lover and giver that you are, Lord. And Lord, again, where there's any ties that bind, where there's any bondage, we just cut that stuff off in the name of Jesus. And I pray for just a grace to walk, Lord, a grace to walk in freedom, a grace to walk in expectation, a grace to walk in the joy of, that the early church had. Lord, just do a mighty work in us. Do a mighty work in us.